Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. Trump just stochastically threatened mass political violence and terrorism again while trying to get out of a trial in which he is charged with orchestrating mass political violence and terrorism. And his attorney told the three-judge appeals panel, in essence, that Trump also had the right to order the assassination of a domestic political rival, and as long as he was not impeached by the House and convicted by the Senate, he could not be prosecuted for doing so. I will go out of chronological order about this because, sorry, he's still doing it, And he's still not being treated the way we would treat any other terrorist who threatens violence, or as he calls it, bedlam. Bedlam, if the case against him is not dropped. It's a terrorist threat. But listen carefully at the end for a reporter who actually sort of called him out on it. Very mind-boggling if you happen to be Joe Biden. And I think they feel this is the way they're going to try and win. And that's not the way it goes. That'll be bedlam in the country. You just use the word bedlam. Will you tell your supporters now, no matter what, no violence? So, no, huh? D.C. reporter, you have unsuspected depth. Even the most both-sidesist of publications, Axios, heard the terrorism in there 
and described that as Trump's violence warning. Warning being legally correct, but not exactly conveying the fact that if that was a warning, it was like the standard mob warning or a warning from Vladimir Putin about making sure you pay somebody else to wash your upper floor windows. Axios did describe the bedlam and the assassination interludes as, quote, two stunning moments. As to the assassination of domestic rivals, his attorney John Sauer told the three-judge appeals panel that, yeah, Trump could be prosecuted for killing a guy if he was impeached and removed from office, and that's bad. Well, no, that's good because all three judges, including the one appointed by the first President Bush, were a little skeptical about that. So that's good. No, that's bad because this presidential immunity fiction is not about winning or losing. It's about stalling. And this alone, this has managed to stall it for a couple of more weeks. And that's bad. No, that's good because only the Bush judge seemed to bite at an idea that the appeals court should send the argument back to a lower court to determine which, if any, of the Jack Smith charges against Trump might be subject to this presidential immunity jazz. And the other two judges seemed even more skeptical of this than they were about Trump can order SEAL Team 6 to kill President Biden. And that's good. No, that's bad. Because the idea of any appeals court sending any part of this case or any other case against Trump back down to a lower court would waste even more time on Trump's behalf. And presumably somebody at the Republican Supreme Religious Court heard this and said, send it back to the lower court. Genius. Why? That's a Perry Mason moment. Thank you, Nancy Faust. Back to the District of Columbia Appeals Court and the attorney John Sauer. And there's a fun fact about him in a moment. And Judge Florence Pan. And whatever it is that made this Sauer guy, and that's an apt description of him too, believe that there is a presidential right to assassinate and get away with it. And also, by the way, another right to sell pardons or sell military secrets. And also president's lawyer's right to filibuster the court order seal team six to assassinate a political rival order seal team six to assassinate a political rival that's an official act in order to seal team six he, he would have to be and would speedily be you know uh, uh, impeached and convicted before the criminal what prosecution if you what if proceed? you weren't there would be no criminal prosecution no criminal liability for that Chief Justice's opinion in murder against Madison and uh, uh, and our Constitution and the plain language of the impeachment judgment clause all clearly presuppose that what the founders were concerned about was not. I asked you a yes or yes or no question. Could a president who ordered SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival who was not impeached? Would he be subject to criminal prosecution? If he were impeached and convicted first. So so your answer is. Is, no. is, my answer is qualified. Yes, there is a political process that would have to occur under our, the structure of our country. The extra fact, if you want to laugh, that Trump attorney there, Sauer, started as the law clerk to a conservative judge named Michael Luddig. Michael 14th Amendment Luddig. 
See, he didn't learn anything from you, Judge. Judge Pan and Judge Michelle Childs did not bring up several fundamental hypocrisies within Trump's positions in this trial. He is claiming his actions to overturn the 2020 election were just a president doing his job, ferreting out election corruption. But the damnedest thing is he only looked for that corruption in the states he lost. Also, he is claiming you cannot prosecute an ex-president while promising he will prosecute an ex-president. But... Judge Childs did note that if ex-presidents are immune, why in the hell did Nixon ask Ford for a pardon? And the Bush appointee, Judge Karen Henderson, noted, quoting, I think it's paradoxical to say that his constitutional duty to take care that the laws be faithfully executed allows him to violate criminal law. Good point. Trump attended the hearing because lying to his cult that he was forced to go to court and then standing in a nice warm indoor space in front of TV cameras, threatening America with bedlam rather than going outside and campaigning in Des Moines, Iowa, where the real feel yesterday was 16. That's so much easier. And it's beginning to be, oh, oh, so obvious that he is, oh, so, so tired. Back to the main point of this. Besides the background drumbeat of domestic political violence and murder and bedlam, the team at JustSecurity.org game-planned where the presidential immunity delay would put the timeline for the Jack Smith subversion trial of loser J. Trump. They've got three scenarios. I'll skip the legal reasons for the differences, but in the quickest of them, it has the Supreme Court only being able to delay the start of his trial until about May 19th, which means it would wrap up by about July 7th. A second scenario would see the trial finished by July 17th. But a third one has the trial not even starting until early June and not completing until mid-August. And then you know what happens? Our old friend, the DOJ, 60-day unwritten rule stumbles drunkenly back into town. He has not really made a fool out of us since 2016, when James Comey managed to mishandle Hillary's emails both ways, by first staying quiet when it was still early enough to say something, and then by not staying quiet when it was too late to say anything. The DOJ will not take any steps that might impact an upcoming election within the 60-day span before that election, and that's September 5th of this year, or as Trump would call it, Christmas. We don't know, particularly after the Comey fiasco, what the DOJ would now do about the prosecution of an ex-president for trying to stop the peaceful transfer of power and to defraud every voter in the country if the trial was still in progress as the date of the election he is running in arrives in this rule that is not a law, but they do it anyway just cause. We can, however, guess what Trump would do. He would martyr himself yet again because he has not run out of bullshit But he has run out of new bullshit, and if that were not obvious in the stalling attempts, it was at his social media site where he resurrected his original dance move, birtherism. Obviously, the New Hampshire primary is as close as some of the polls suggest because Trump is panicking enough to post a screenshot from the notoriously doubted, even by Trumpists, gateway pundit, quoting it, In Nikki Haley's situation, reports indicate that her parents were not U.S. citizens at the time of her birth in 1972. Based on the Constitution as interpreted by Paul Ingracia, this disqualifies Haley from presidential or vice presidential candidacy under the 12th Amendment, unquote. 
And there's a picture of Nikki Haley at a microphone looking like she's in the final round of the spelling bee. And the word she has to spell is confederacy, but she has completely blanked on it. There are three other problems with Trump reverting to his favorite hit here, birtherism. As CNN's Andy Kashinsky notes, that phrase based on the Constitution as interpreted by Paul Ingracia, A, that turns out to be the interpretation of a guy who graduated from Cornell Law 18 months ago. And despite my affiliation, other than the president of Taiwan, I have never met a Cornell Law graduate I trusted enough to stand with my back to them. This might as well be the Constitution as interpreted by Marcel Marcel walking against the wind. B, this kid, class of 22, summarized his interpretation by asking, where's the proof that Haley's parents were not violating their visas when she was born? Which has exactly the legal relevance of asking, where's the proof Trump is not Rosemary's baby? And lastly, C, Trump's mother was not only an immigrant who did not come to this country until she was 17, but when Trump was, I was going to say born, well, before Trump happened, she only became a U.S. citizen four years earlier. Or did she? Two other Trump notes. He learns nothing. We learned that, if not earlier, we learned that two months ago when on the campaign trail in Iowa, he suddenly brought up, golden showers and sure enough yesterday what does he post online after the dozen videos and the warnings that if he doesn't have immunity biden doesn't have immunity without the light bulb going off in his violent fantasy world that if biden doesn't have immunity wait biden could order trump assassinated and not be prosecuted for it this even for him a real stretch and a real bad choice of words quote Without immunity, it would be very hard for a president to enjoy his or her golden years of retirement. Enjoy your golden years. And from a different Trump trial, his essence. Loser J. Trump is one giant, sweaty, rotting cliché. Every man who is his own lawyer, reads a collection of witticisms published in 1814, has a fool for a client. I'd like to introduce him to you. Loser J. Trump. His defense in his New York civil fraud trial wraps up Thursday and ABC News reports the closing argument will be delivered in part by Trump himself. Every man who is his own lawyer. Then again, the other choices include Alina Haba, fresh from admitting she can fake being smart. No, you can't. ABC notes their sources, quote, cautioned that plans for the defense's closing argument remain fluid. Fluid, you know, like Trump's cerebral cortex. 37 years of looking for his new Roy Cohn, and Trump suddenly decides he's his new Roy Cohn. You may recall Trump is already guilty in this trial. This is about damages. We know what he is. We're just arguing about the price. When this trial began, the state of New York sought $250 million in damages. Then, as more fraud was discovered, it went to $300 million. And then last Friday, Attorney General Letitia James increased the ask to $370 million. 
Trump is presumably going to try for both his beloved Perry Mason moment and to get what he's paying for by verbally attacking the judge, Arthur Engeron, at least until somebody reminds him that this trial is not on TV. Also of interest here, welcome to the Lou Dobbs Show. I'm Lou Dobbs. And I'm more than 75,000 years old. And you are watching Pillow TV. Plus, speaking of TV, and by the way, that joke about Lou Dobbs is itself over 75,000 years old. How could the ESPN, Jimmy Kimmel, Aaron Rodgers, big sleeveless Pat disaster get any worse? Oh, just you wait and see. That's next. This is Countdown. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. Postscripts to the news. Some headlines, some updates, some snarks, some predictions. Dateline, the Pentagon. I haven't said anything here previously about the amazing vanishing Secretary of Defense because as weird as Lloyd Austin's disappearance was, I guess... I am finally old enough to look at something like this and finally think, hey, maybe there's more to this, you know? And it turned out there was. The minor medical procedure turns out to have been treatment for prostate cancer. And the intense pain, because something did not go right, was, let's just say it was presumably near the prostate. 
And I'm not wild about the president not knowing and the nation not knowing where the secretary of defense is, or more correctly, not noticing that he wasn't where he was supposed to be. On the other hand, if it's cancer and you are undergoing treatment and suddenly something goes very, very wrong, enough for you to be hospitalized for pain, I do think you get 72 hours on a holiday to worry about that first And you get at least one mulligan on making the wrong call, if it was the wrong call. Speaking of wrong calls, Dateline, Bristol, Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, so this is not really a sports story anymore, is it? Instead of ending the saga that threatens to end the career of a veteran NFL quarterback and void the contract of an $85 million sportscaster and get the president of ESPN fired and maybe jeopardize the network's deal with the National Football League, Aaron Rodgers, also known as Karen Rodgers, escalated it all yesterday. You will recall... That last week on ESPN's new shirtless, or anyway, sleeveless Pat McAfee show, Rogers intimated that Jimmy Kimmel was somehow connected to the then soon-to-be-released Jeffrey Epstein files. Kimmel threatened to sue for defamation, which is even more complicated than usual because he works for Disney, and Disney owns ESPN, and ESPN carries McAfee's show, and McAfee pays Rogers, so Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Kimmel are both being paid out of the same wallet. Plus, Disney does have that big TV deal with the NFL. Plus, ESPN has largely maintained its stick-to-sports attitude ever since the fiasco 20 years ago when it hired Rush Limbaugh to be on its NFL show, and a month in, he declared that Donovan McNabb of the Philadelphia Eagles wasn't really that good, and he only got good publicity because the league and the media wanted a successful black quarterback. Oops! They disappeared, Rush. And by the way, that was his dream job. Not politics, sports, ESPN. He had told me that years earlier in person, and Rush Limbaugh never got over it till the day he died. He's thinking about it right now in hell. So last Friday, anyway, an ESPN executive named Mike Foss, the vice president in charge of the big sleeveless Pat show, Mike Foss called what Rogers had said about Kimmel a, quote, dumb and factually inaccurate joke and said everybody realized in the moment it was wrong. And the host, Big Shirtless Pat, then attacked a different ESPN executive, my former Sports Center producer Norby Williamson, for allegedly leaking inaccurate ratings about the Big Shirtless Pat show, And Williamson's bosses have largely hung him out to dry ever since. So anyway, instead of this all going away when it could have, Monday night, Kimmel came back from vacation and only briefly touched on Aaron Rodgers defaming him. If you think seven minutes out of an hour-long show is briefly. During these seven minutes, he called him Karen. He said the only two A's that Karen Rodgers got in college were in his first name. He called him hamster-brained, etc., etc. It was solid material. Instead of tamping the thing down by, say, just not doing his regular appearance on the big sleeveless Pat show this week, Rogers went on and naturally blamed the media, never realizing if you get paid to be on TV, you, sir, are the media. Rogers denied he had implied that Jimmy Kimmel was on the Epstein list, and then he explained that wasn't the real list anyway. Then he attacked the executive who had defended him, Mike Foss. I don't understand Mike Foss's comment because he didn't help out either, said Rogers. 
who, and I mean this sincerely, he needs a good MRI of his brain and fast. Mike, you're not helping, Rogers continued, because I just read earlier exactly what I said, and this is the game plan of the media. This is what they do. Aaron, you're paid to be on television. You're part of the media. Welcome. They try and cancel, not just me. It's nowhere near me. If you look at all the people that have been censored from the Internet. And then Rogers segued to COVID and Anthony Fauci and conspiracy theories. And he went on for 10 minutes. And in those 10 minutes, he talked more pure, crazy partisan politics on ESPN than I did on ESPN in the 13 total years I worked there. Rogers added, quote, I'm not stupid enough, even though you think I'm an idiot, to accuse you of that with absolutely zero concrete evidence, which is also wildly untrue. Rogers is stupid enough. He did implicate Kimmel, and he has zero evidence. And the most important part of this going forward, apart from the obvious, Jimmy Kimmel does sue. It's over for Aaron Rodgers and Big Sleeveless Pat and the ESPN executives who backed Big Sleeveless Pat. If that doesn't happen, the real news is Pat McAfee attacked one ESPN vice president he viewed as unsympathetic, and then four days later, Aaron Rodgers attacked a different ESPN vice president who was sympathetic and is in charge of their show. And I have been in media for 44 years full-time. I said this earlier, I'll repeat it. It may not look like this at first, but management, in television particularly, always ultimately sides with management. And if there are two camps about Pat McAfee and Aaron Rodgers at ESPN, these two rockheads just managed to attack both of them. Still to come on Countdown, well, since there's another ESPN story, why not? It's close to the exact anniversary, in fact, just 32 years ago. The day I got to meet the great actress Elizabeth Montgomery, and we became fast friends, and she helped me to launch the new thing called ESPN Radio. All that in things I promise not to tell. First time for the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's... Worst persons in the world. The bronze, worse, Elon Musk. And the Musk is short for mushrooms. A series of accounts on Twitter X, belonging to journalists and commentators, were suspended without any explanation yesterday. Ken Klippenstein, a couple of Texas Observer people, a bunch of satirists, troll accounts, many of whom had been critical of Elon Musk. Oh, but not to worry. This is not like late 2022 when Musk lost his mind and banned half a dozen of us for doxing, even though nobody doxed. Musk explained it away. Quote, we do sweeps for spam scam accounts, and sometimes real accounts get caught up in them. And sometimes U.S. defense contractors who buy social media sites are high as a kite on ketamine. Just statistically, these things happen. The runners up worser off the campaign trail, Judge Judy and Dean Phillips, Judge Judy Scheinlin, or as she's known on The Simpsons, Judge Judy and Executioner, has made her presidential endorsement. Judge Judy has endorsed Nikki Haley. 
I know what you're saying. Judge Judy is still alive? As to poor Phillips, challenging Joe Biden and challenging is doing a lot of work in that sentence. First, he had the debate in New Hampshire with Marianne Williamson, and it turned out to be in front of a crowd of seventh graders. Now, he has parked his campaign bus in front of a Manchester hotel for a, quote, government repair truck coffee conversations. And the attendance by voters was zero. Zero. Nobody came. Nobody showed up. All that coffee. Phillips told reporters, sometimes if you build it, they don't come. You would think at some point Phillips would question the idea that he's actually built anything. But our winners, the worst. Lou Dobbs, Tulsi Gabbard, Don Lemon, and Jim Rome. They have each announced new streaming shows. Dobbs, fired by CNN and Fox and Fox Business, has launched a new show on Mike Lindell TV. The Pillow Channel, PNN, Pillow Talk. As to the others, Gabbard, also apparently no longer with Fox, and Lemon, who talked himself off CNN, and Jim Rome, who has been on the verge of becoming the next great sports host since approximately 1989. He was on After Me the night ESPN2 launched. Gabbard, Lemon, and Rome have announced new shows on Twitter X. Yes, they are the newest winners of the Tucker Carlson Remember Tucker Carlson Memorial Award. Look, I don't have a TV show anymore either. I retired from the last one. It was called SportsCenter. I retired in 2020. Yes, I'm actually a Disney retiree with a card that says so. And I post videos on Twitter and on all the other social media platforms. They're promos for this podcast. The actual shows on Twitter thing I used to do, that died at least three years ago. But I must say this to Gabbard and Lemon and Jim Roman. Ludubs. Twitter? Have some self-respect. Go get a show on the News Nation channel. Or just stand in front of a mirror and do your show there. The audience will be just as big. Tulsi Gabbard, Don Lemon, Jim Rome. And Lou Dobbs, and you know how old Lou Dobbs is? He's 206! Two days! Worst persons in the world! Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. To the number one story on the countdown and my favorite subject, me and things I promised not to tell. I have found myself telling her story three times in the last 10 days. I just bought a new copy of the movie in question, and so I thought I would tell you the story now. Plus, I find she made her Broadway debut 69 years ago this Thursday. Do you know her name? Elizabeth Montgomery, one of the most famous actresses of the 1960s and 1970s, star of the TV series Bewitched, daughter of a famous actor, Robert Montgomery, and my friend from early on the morning of January 14th, 1992, until she died in the spring of 1995. Our friendship happened only because of one thing. My sister had given me a book about one of our favorite topics, the never-to-be-solved mystery of Lizzie Borden and the Borden family axe murders of 1892 in Fall River, Massachusetts. Yes, we're weird. And also the fact that Elizabeth Montgomery had played Lizzie Borden in a TV movie. So on January 14, 1992, as I sat waiting for our flight to leave ICJFK Airport in New York for my then home in Los Angeles, and I began to read from my airplane seat my sister's gift from the aisle, from the last one to board, I hear the voice of Elizabeth Montgomery saying to me, Ooh, Keith, you're reading about me. She was a gas. My brief but eternal friendship with Lizzie Montgomery and the eternal lesson she taught me. In one moment, please, while I first explain what I was doing on that flight. A month or two earlier, I had agreed to join ESPN to co-host SportsCenter with Dan Patrick starting in late March 1992. I had just finished up three financially rewarding but soul-sucking years at Channel 2 in Los Angeles, and I was going to go to Hawaii for three months and just lie there until I felt better. On Monday, December 30th, 1991, I had literally just opened my address book to find the number of a travel agent I knew to make the Hawaii arrangements. I was reaching for the phone when the phone rang. It was my business agent who had just gotten off the phone with my new ESPN boss, John Walsh. He and they were launching a new radio network in five days. I found this interesting, but not particularly relevant. ESPN was one thing then. It was one TV network. No magazine, no radio, no ESPN, the Ocho. So this was their first big move outwards. The radio network would start with only two seven-hour shows on Saturday and Sunday nights. 
And Walsh explained to my agent that everything was going great and they were right on target and they had great guests lined up for the first weekend like Ronald Reagan and they only had one tiny problem. They needed three hosts and they had two terrific hosts, just terrific hosts. One Keith worked with named Tony Bruno and another terrific, just terrific host from Providence named Chuck Wilson. And they tried this guy as the third host and that guy and this guy and that guy and all told 40 different people had tried out to be hosts. They had nobody, nobody to be the third host who was any good. Could Keith just come here just for the first weekend just to get it off the ground? Then he can go back to L.A. and come back here in March, take over Sports Center. Please, 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 can Keith help us? Please, because if he can, I don't know what on earth we're going to do. Oh, please, please, please. As I said to my agent, well, all right, I suppose. At least, way at least, ESPN will always think of me as a team player. <laughs> so instead of going to Hawaii in January, I go to Bristol, Connecticut in January. And I go stay at my folks' house outside New York City, and a friend I had recommended to help ESPN launch their radio network offers me a ride up to ESPN for the weekend, and it's like 20 degrees, and we get out of his car in his parking lot, and three spots over getting out of his car in the parking lot is Chris Berman, who I went to high school with, and already in January 1992, when I'm not quite 33 years old, I already know Chris for 20 years, and before I can say, hey, he screams, listen. We have a good thing going here. Don't F it up. And I say, good to see you too, Chris. And I remind myself it's only till Monday. And I meet the gang, and then I go to the hotel, and the hotel is beige. The walls are beige. The carpets are beige. The guests are beige. The food is beige. The only thing that isn't beige is the six inches of snow that falls overnight. And I remind myself it's only till Monday. The launch of the network on Saturday goes well. They have me interview Ronald Reagan about something in football. The Sunday night show is going well, too, and we're trying to figure out where the big baseball free agent of that winner, Danny Tartable, is going to sign. And we're interviewing Bobby Valentine, who was the manager of the Texas Rangers. And they were one of the teams rumored to be a likely landing for Tartable. And I asked Valentine, he says, no, not anymore. They just canceled their trip. I was supposed to go meet them at the airport tonight. I think he signed with somebody else. And the alarm bells go off in my head. And I tell the producer, let's call everybody we know in baseball. And put them on and figure out where Danny Tartable is going. I have a source who knows his agent. Let me call him. We'll go story chasing. So we spend four hours following a story in real time, and it's great radio. And we're coming up on the last hour, and our guests have helped us eliminate like 30 teams out of 28. But we're not sure where Tartable is going still. And the producer says, if only we had his home phone number. And I look at the producer and go, oh, crap. Sorry. And I grab my address book and I explain, yeah, he was my co-host, Tartable was, on, on some of our baseball postgame shows in L.A. last year. Uh, I'm sorry, I forgot I, I had his number all this time. Hang on. So I call Danny Tartable, and just as our last hour on Sunday night is starting, he calls me back and I say to him, look, we know you've decided it's all over baseball. It's got to be the Phillies, the Mets, or the Yankees. And he's saying correctly, I can't tell you. And I said, give me one guess. And just tell me if I'm wrong, and I will call you a source close to the negotiations. That's all. And he says, okay. And I say, is it a team that wears pinstripes? And, of course, the Phillies, the Mets, and the Yankees all wear pinstripes. So he laughs, and he says, yes. And I say, is it the team I grew up a fan of? And he says, what team did you grow up a fan of? And, by the way, this phone call is taking place with me on the floor of the studio in which the other two hosts are live on the new radio network. So I whisper to Tartable, if I say it's the Yankees, am I wrong? And he says, I can't tell you, and starts whispering. 
But off the record, the press conference is Wednesday at Yankee Stadium. Is that enough for you, you bastard? And of course I said, no, come on the show and tell us. Come on. And he laughs and says, I'll see you Wednesday and hangs up and I get up and I sit in the vacant chair and I can say, breaking news, ESPN report uh, now that the free agent outfielder Danny Tartable has agreed to a multi-year deal with the New York Yankees. Sources close to the negotiations say there will be a press conference Wednesday at Yankee Stadium. And the other hosts are trying not to crack up because they know I've just been talking to Tartable from the phone in the same room with them. Well, this story explodes way more than it deserved. It's a dull Sunday night. It's still early enough in the evening that the story makes all the Monday newspapers, and it's attributed not to ESPN or to SportsCenter, but to the brand new ESPN radio network on its second day in business, and it's on the front page of USA Today and the New York Times. New ESPN radio network makes splash with Tartable's scoop the next morning, and I can't tell you how big a deal that was back then in 1992. So now instead of going back to L.A. on Monday and maybe to Hawaii on Tuesday, as I had planned, I have to go to the press conference at Yankee Stadium to say hi to Tartable on Wednesday and sort of thank him for the scoop. And on Tuesday, this guy John Walsh from ESPN calls me and my agent and says, look, we have to take advantage of this. It's the best possible start we could have hoped for for the radio network. Keith has to stay with us for the next three months. Why doesn't he stay and and do this weekend and then go back to L.A. and pack up his apartment and then come back here the weekend after that? And, 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 and I say again to my agent, well, at least ESPN will always think of me as a team player if I do this. (laughs) So I am not in Hawaii, and instead I am on board this flight when Elizabeth Montgomery walks down the aisle and sees my Lizzie Borden book given to me by my sister and says, ooh, Keith, you're reading about me. Hi, I'm Lizzie Montgomery. I'm a big fan of yours. Is that seat taken? And I say, the hell if I care, sit down. And the only time we're not talking for the next six hours is when we are drinking. I believe, if I remember this correctly, they had to send up a champagne refueling flight halfway to L.A., And she's a huge sports fan. Her father was a founder of one of the Southern California horse racing tracks. And she loves the Lakers. And she thinks she was related to Lizzie Borden. Did I ever see the European version of her Lizzie Borden film where they show the wide shots where they make it look like she's nude? And I say, I'm absolutely certain I have not. And her son and her driver and her Rolls Royce meet us at LAX. And she wants me to see her house. And then her driver and her Rolls Royce will give me a lift home. And oh, by the way, she's flying back to New York in a week. Should we become flying buddies? On that trip, our flight gets canceled, and we have to find a new one. I'm hand-carrying a lot of my more valuable baseball cards, including like 500 different from the year 1909, and she wants to see them. And she wants me to tell her something about each player while we drink again. And we land, and she says, how are you getting to your folks' house? And I say, well, I'm going to get a, a car here or something. And she says, no, you're not. I'll give you a lift in my limo. I'm going right past your house. And sure enough... We get there, and as Lizzie Montgomery's limo is taking me to my folks' house at 10 o'clock at night, she says, will they still be up, your folks? You want to play a practical joke on them? So two minutes later, I knock on the door of my childhood home, and my father opens it. Instead of seeing me, it's her in the doorway, and she says, hi, Mr. Alderman, I'm Lizzie. I'm a friend of Keith's. Can he come out and play? And my dad goes silent for the only time in my life. And now my mother appears so Lizzie can pull the same routine on her. Hi, Mrs. Olderman. I'm Lizzie. I'm a friend of Keith's. Can he come out and play? And now my mother is silent for the only time in my life. I might add, I thought 
Lizzie looked fabulous, and I looked her up in Hallowell's film film guide, and I saw she was 48, and I thought, boy, she looks fabulous for 48, and then I realized my math is wrong. She was 58, and she was a joy. We talked by phone every couple of weeks after that, and she died three years later of colon cancer. But she is with me always, and not just as the proverbial force of nature. Within minutes of that day we met, January 14, 1992, she bestowed upon me a lesson an eternal lesson. We were a little late taking off, and since she had just loudly introduced herself to me like I didn't know who she was, anybody on the plane who wasn't sure it was her was now sure. As we waited a taxi, every man on that plane came over and did the same thing. Oh, hi, Miss Montgomery, excuse me. And they give me some sort of nodding acknowledgement, like, hey, how you doing? As they lean in past me. I was a big fan of Bewitched. I know you must get asked this a million times a day, but is there any chance? I'm so sorry to ask. Could you do that little nose twitch you used to do in the show? And she would say, of course. And then she'd do it. And these men aged 20 to 100 all then giggle like schoolboys. <laughs> After the 30th or 31st time this happened, I say to her, Lizzie, I don't know you, but I like you a lot already. And your attitude towards your fans and the nose twitch is wonderful. But I have to tell you, I certainly hope that was the last of them because the next one who comes over, I'm going to have to strangle him with my bare hands because I can't take it anymore. And for the only minutes of all the time I knew her, Elizabeth Montgomery got very serious and said, oh no, Keith, that is not the attitude you must have about this. Remind me, what year did Bewitched go off the air? I had to guess. 1972 and she said exactly good correct 20 years ago and these people have remembered that nose twitch for 20 years at least bewitched keith is not hamlet it is not arthur miller it is not the godfather but they remembered it this is why you and i both do what we do for a living we have transcended time with what we do for a living something artistic something creative no matter how small that we have done they have remembered it. People do it with you, I'm sure. And I'm sure they'll continue to. And what you do then is you say, thank you for remembering, as if they were the only one who ever remembered. Because that's why we do this. Because they remembered me from 20 years ago for a stupid little nose twitch. Duly chastised. I apologized, and the huge, welcoming, conspiratorial, permanent friendship, sexy smile of Elizabeth Montgomery broke across her face like the sunrise, and she whispered, Either that, Keith, or they saw Bewitched on cable last week, which means Lizzie gets another check next week. And she twitched her nose at me, and I will always love her. I've done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. How I Miss Lizzie Still. Countdown musical directors Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel arranged, produced, and performed most of our music. Mr. Ray was on the guitars, the bass, and the drums, and Mr. Schnell handled the orchestration and the keyboards. It was produced by TKO Brothers. Other music, including some of the Beethoven compositions, were arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. The sports music is the Olbermann theme from ESPN2, written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc. 
Our satirical and pithy musical comments are by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was my friend Dennis Leary, and everything else was pretty much my fault. That's countdown for this, the 301st day until the 2024 U.S. presidential election and the 1100th day since Dementia J. Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Use the 14th Amendment, use the Insurrection Act, use the justice system to stop him from doing it again while we still can. The next scheduled countdown is tomorrow if my voice cooperates. Until then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Dealing with pests can be a pain. But relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com.